the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's a brand new week. Hi, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. This is a radio program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering Bible questions and life questions. We've got a couple of serious things that were sent in today, so we'll be dealing with those kind of things. And all you have to do is call us. 210 is the area code 340-9585. That's 340-9585. You can call toll-free if you're outside the local area by calling 877 877- Seven six three zero KSLR numerically. That's six three zero five seven five seven. You can email your questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, especially with the wet streets, be safe and use the free KSLR mobile app. All you have to do is hit one button, call now, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hope you had a great weekend in church. We, uh, I think like a lot of people, since was a little bit down in early services while it was raining really hard, but uh, had a really good day. Some people got saved, and that's always a neat thing. That's why we come to church. Hey, tonight, just to keep you all abreast, we're back on our regular schedule. We've had about a three-week break since our Monday night Bible studies. Uh, uh, last were and tonight they're all back on Paula is going to be teaching uh, the ladies tonight at 7 o'clock out of the book of 1 Thessalonians Uh, Pastor Ken is starting in Isaiah the prophecy tonight uh, for the men Um, Pastor Nelly and Chris Sanchez are teaching the high school and the junior high schoolers respectively so it's a good family night you can bring people and if you have kids that are too young uh, we have child care of course available Monday night is a great night for Bible Bible study. All of that is back on target. A couple of other things. Ladies in the audience, our women's fall luncheon is this coming Saturday. Um, 10.30 till 2 or 2.30, I think. Uh, $20 is the cost, and it's just for the food. We have some chefs in the church, and they always cook some really great stuff. So uh, it'll be a nice lunch. Uh, Paula will be sharing uh, there as well. And we would love to have you come dressed however you feel comfortable. We would love to have you here. Uh, please call the church office or go to calvaryessay.com uh, just to sign up. Uh, that's all you can pay when you get here. Uh, if you want to come and you can't pay, we'll still feed you and you'll have a great time. Just just let somebody know that you listened to the radio show and Pastor Ron said you could come. We'd love to have you. Um, people get saved and God meets people at events like this. So uh, that's this coming Saturday. Uh, I know we mentioned last week that we had, um, you know, I'm never this busy. 
and, and I know this this month and next month everything is going crazy, but um, we had our men's conference, our first ever San Antonio men's conference this Saturday. Had a great time. Thank those of you who came from the radio audience. Appreciate it. Um, and then, of course, uh, men in the audience, we have our men's retreat coming up uh, in less than two weeks now. It's uh, the 20th, Thursday, the 20th through the 22nd. Um, it's reasonably priced. We'd love to have you come and join us, all of that. Now, I'm also going to start asking you for prayer because we are now less than two months, quite a bit less now than two months away from our, our annual Joy of Jesus. I'll have Pastor Juan on the air one day in the next couple of weeks, and we'll give you a little bit more detail about what it is. But it is our big outreach every year uh, down at Travis Park uh, in the downtown area. And you don't want to miss it. So uh, keep us in prayer for that. And maybe we ought to start praying for the weather right now. So uh, all of that to say, uh, lots and lots of stuff going on. When you're following Jesus, there's always a lot of stuff going on. Okay, let's go to Roger from San Marcos on line one. Roger, thanks for calling early. You're on the air. Ron, I've got a question about uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, I know you explained it before. I didn't get all of it, but if you would be kind enough to do it again, I'd appreciate it. I'll hang up and listen to it on the radio. Thank you, Roger. I can do that. Um, you know, rightly dividing the word of truth simply is a command, and it's an urgent command. It's an imperative uh, in Greek. It, it's 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 to be good stewards of this treasure that we call the Bible, and to rightly divide it. You have to understand several things. First, you have to understand, and, and I think this is the most important thing, is what did the author intend to say? That means we have to read it in context. Uh, we don't have to be Greek scholars or Hebrew scholars. There's lots of tools that will let you know, but we, we can't just take... I'll give you an example. We had a call uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, from someone who uh, was adamantly opposed to tattoos because Leviticus 19 said uh, that... The, the, uh, God forbids men, ta- men get, or people getting tattoos. Uh, but that's to misunderstand. That's not to rightly understand what the author intended to say. Uh, the, the word translated tattoo is a word in Hebrew that means in the worship of pagan deities or, or false gods or idols. Uh, and, and back then they would cut themselves and they would bleed and it was all sort of a demonic thing. But, but that's not at all what's meant in our modern day uh, idea or concept of, of, of getting a tattoo. So, Roger, understanding what the author meant is rightly dividing the word of God. Uh, then interpreting it correctly. And we can do that uh, in lots of ways. We, we can't just have an opinion and say, well, that, it supports my opinion. Again, what the author intended to say and, and what is the clear and simple meaning of the text. If we don't understand that right away, then we have to understand the whole of the Bible. Uh, some part of the Bible can't contradict another part of the Bible. So if you are understanding something, uh, Roger, that that um, uh, contradicts clear scriptures in other places, then you're understanding it incorrectly. So those are the primary things. Rightly dividing it means understanding it so that we can do it, be obedient to it, so that we can live a life that will reflect what the Word of God tells us to do. Now, there are other ways, of course, and other great tools. Um, there are giants who have gone before us in the 2,000 years of the New Testament, and we can stand on their shoulders and appreciate their work. Uh, commentaries are written. There's some great commentaries out there. Uh, you have to be careful. Um, you don't just accept anything that somebody says. Um, what you do is you, you, you measure what they are saying against the Word of God, and it challenges you to dig deeper and deeper. You know, the Apostle Paul, as he was telling Timothy goodbye, he was saying to him to watch your life and doctrine closely. Those two things are interrelated. When we believe something, then we live it. If we're not living it, it has no value to believe it. So rightly dividing the Word of God, I think, um, is, is studying ourselves, uh, studying rather to show ourselves approved, uh, and we do it by understanding what the author intended to say, to whom he or he was speaking, 
uh, and then um, what is the proper application of that passage in our lives. So, Roger, that's a, a, a kind of an abridged version of it. I actually do a class on this from time to time, and uh, it's something that we, we, we really need to be careful of. Thank you very, very much for your phone call. Uh, here is um, an email that came in on Friday morning. I uh, didn't get it until this weekend, um, but I, I, I want to um, thank the, the, the writer. I'm not going to give his name, um, but uh, the, the email is self-explanatory. It was in response to a call that we had uh, on the program last week. Hello, Pastor Ron. The other day a woman called concerning her husband's porn sins. I am 68. Asked for the Lord's forgiveness at 65. I was near death. Um, at baptism at 66. I did porn for my whole life. Started with Playboy magazines about 15, then did it all. Porn used to be expensive. Today it's now free. It took away pornography. Listen to this. Pornography took away any goodness I possessed. It got to the point regular porn was no longer satisfying. I would search the internet for underground porn. It's hard to find out, but it's out there. Some days it would be all I could do. But to shorten my story, porn will destroy any sense of goodness in a man's life. Today I can thank Jesus for mercy and healing. I've listened to your radio show for at least four years now in Christ, and he signs his name. Again, I want to thank you so much for sending that, because pornography is one of those things that that too many men think it's sort of a victimless thing. It's no big deal. Everybody does it. We carry it around on our our mobile devices now. And I I want you to listen. This is a wise man who's warning the rest of us. When he says in this, it destroys any sense of goodness, I would add, or decency in a man's life. And that's why we need to run. When Paul writes that we're to flee from sexual immorality, this is exactly what he's talking about because it changes our brain. You know, Paul says that when we sin sexually, and believe me, pornography, masturbation is a sin against our own bodies. When a man sins sexually, he sins against his own body. All other sins are committed outside the body. And yet we men, we think nothing of it because it's just so commonly available and so commonly accepted. That's one of the ways our world has changed, which isn't good. The other problem, um, and we had this question at our Q&A session at our men's conference on Saturday, an anonymous question that came in. Um, um, A man said, "Uh, I've just caught my 11-year-old son masturbating. How should I respond? You see, it's not grown men anymore, like the writer. Kids are being trapped by this. They're getting trapped at, at, at an age it's impossible for them to, con- to, to, to have a concept of, of the kind of destruction that's being done. Now, I want everybody to understand, I'm no prude. Uh, I got saved as a nearly 40-year-old man, so I've had my share of sin. But as a pastor for these last almost 24 years to see the damage, the utter and complete destruction that's done because of what so many of us think is no big deal is beyond anything I can imagine. Men, when you look at pornography, you're telling your wife that she's not good enough for you pretty enough, exciting enough. When you look at pornography and we kind of live our lives in such a way that's, well, hey, that's just the way it is, got to deal with it. Uh, We don't understand the damage that we're causing the woman that we promised God that we would cherish. We're causing her to compete with images in our brain that is impossible for her to compete with. And just as this letter writer indicated, we start going down a road that leads to horrible, horrible things, all kinds of perversion that we think when we're in the middle of it is no big deal at all. 
So this isn't Pastor Ron saying this to you. This is a man who's lived it. Imagine how grateful he is for the Lord's forgiveness. I am so grateful for this letter. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Joe on line one. Joe, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Uh, Pastor Ron, uh, I, 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 it was, uh, I gave my life to the Lord 19 years ago, and uh, God cleaned my, me up as far as the drinking, the, the drugs, and uh, even the women. But there was still a strong, I mean, I couldn't uh, stop the pornography. Uh, I'd be good for several months, and then I'd fall again, and then I'd feel so shameful, and then... Uh, but all this time, you know, you know, a year after I got to church, I was serving in, in ministry, just ushering and then Bible studies and stuff. But um, it just it just feels feel so bad. Uh, I had found out about, uh, uh, well, uh, if I don't know if it's okay, a gateway to freedom. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that. No, I'm not familiar with it, Joe. Oh, okay. And um, it's a it's a three day intensive program for for men. Uh, it's Christian based, and uh, it, I went two years ago, and, and it it helped. Um, I've been pure for sixteen, seventeen months, and and um, I I just it, it's expensive. But it was worth it. Uh, I, you know, I didn't want to lose my wife and my kids. You know, it just—I'm just calling to say, whatever it takes to get rid of the sin, just to do it. Yep. Because it will destroy you. Joe, I appreciate your honesty, and I'm grateful. And you've just made your way to my prayer list, so. Um, I will be praying for you. Uh, Joe, would you listen to what I'm going to say very closely, though? And, and this is for, for everybody. You know, um, I, and I don't know this, this organization that Joe mentioned, but, but these things are really, really critical for us to understand. When Joe said that he would stop and he'd be fine for a while, and then he would start back with pornography again, the, the only difference, the only difference between when he was doing well and when he wasn't was his proximity to Jesus. You know, when you're hanging out with Jesus, you don't do those things. And and if you start to do them, I mean, I understand the battle between flesh and spirit. I really do. But 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 when you give in even a little bit to your flesh at the beginning, the moment you start, you know you're doing wrong. The Holy Spirit's convicting you, and his arms are open wide and saying, run to Jesus, run to Jesus. I think of Joseph in Genesis when being seduced by Potiphar's wife, he ran away. He didn't run because he was strong. He ran away because he was weak. And he knew that if he didn't run away, he would fall. But instead of running away with this sin of pornography, what we men do too often is we run to it. In a weak moment, we start thinking about it. You know, Paul says that we're to take every captive thought and make it obedient to Christ. We have the thoughts. We can't stop the thoughts from coming. The enemy is always going to be there. But what we have to do is take that thought captive. And and uh, Joe, I love what you said when you said, you know, I didn't want to lose my, li- my wife. I didn't want to lose my family. I'm going to give you something with much higher stakes than even your family. You send Jesus away from you, the one who loves you, the one who bought and paid for you, the one who who has a plan for your life, the one who promises no condemnation. Um, you send him away. And when we send Jesus away, we're in a self-defeating proposition because we're going to continue to sin. Jesus is the one, not a meeting, not a 12-step group, not a one-step group, not just, just Jesus. It's just Jesus, not accountability with other men. It's just Jesus. And I want people to listen uh, to the, the letter that I read and to Joe, because this is a, a, a problem that is epidemic in the church. Uh, we wonder why our prayers aren't being heard. We wonder where the power of God is in our lives. Uh, and unfortunately, the power of God has left us the minute we lock ourselves in a room and turn on a mobile device and, and tune in pornography. Joe, thank you very, very much. And you're on my prayer list. I appreciate it very, very much. Let's go to San Antonio again for Jose online, too. Jose, thanks for calling. You're on the air. 
Hi, Pastor Ron. Uh, appreciate your ministry. Uh, I had a question on Matthew 18 through 22. It's kind of like a two-part question because I also have a question on uh, John. Uh, is uh, Jose is the chapter 18 or the verse? No, no, chapter eight. It's 18. Chapter eight through 22. Okay. Yes, chapter eight, 18 to 22. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the other one was uh, John, John one, uh, thirty-five through forty-two. I know it's kind of long, because uh, remember, I don't know. If, uh, <clears throat> I guess Jesus was homeless. Well, you know, Jesus was, we, we, we learned, um, what, tell me your question, then I'll, I'll sort of answer it. Oh, okay, well, can you elaborate on that to me, uh, on what I just told you, 18 uh, through 22, uh, Matthew? I can eight, do that. Eight, 18 to 22, yes. and then John, John 1, 35 through 42, and I'll listen off, okay. off, off, off the line. Thank you, Jose, I can do that. Uh, Jesus, we know in Luke chapter 8, Jose, um, uh, his ministry was supported by um, uh, wealthy women. Um, um, his, his ministry was, was uh, he was always welcome in people's houses. But, but in Matthew chapter 8, uh, the passage you're talking about, um, he's, he's challenging um, um, a teacher of the law uh, who comes up. He got all excited about the miracles Jesus was doing. And he challenged him. He said, uh, he said Rabbi, I'll follow you wherever you go. Um, well, Jesus gave him a test. And in verse 20, he says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Um, and in that particular response, what he's doing is saying, Are you sure? Are you really willing to pay the price? If you follow me, you're not going to have a home to live in. Now, Jesus wasn't homeless, Jose, in the sense that we understand homelessness. It doesn't mean that he was um, sleeping on the streets. Uh, he and his disciples would get, get together and camp out. Uh, they were sort of itinerant in their wanderings. Um, but, but what he was saying is, look, uh, when you follow me, you give up everything. You give up your right to everything in this life. Um, I don't even have a place to sleep, he was saying. Um, then another disciple said to him, and this is the last two verses you asked about, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Uh, you have to understand the Jewish context, understand verse 21. Uh, when he said, let me go and bury my father, what he was saying is, is Lord, I, I'm here to help my father. I'm his son. When he dies, I will follow you. And Jesus told him, no, follow me now. Let the dead bury their own dead. In other words, this man's father didn't want to follow Jesus. And this young disciple, presumably, didn't want to give, um, uh, didn't want to, to, to risk losing the affection of his father. Maybe his inheritance. And what Jesus told him, basically, is, uh, I don't want to, to, to wait. If you want to follow me, leave everything and follow me now. Uh, you know, uh, Jose, we just did yesterday in yesterday's message uh, the list of the disciples in Luke chapter 6. And in Luke chapter 6, the, those disciples were challenged maybe a year uh, to, uh, to maybe 15 or 16 months earlier than, than the occurrences of Luke 6 to, to leave everything and follow me. And they did. And after being with Jesus for a time, they became official disciples or leaders, those who would be his personal messengers. And Jesus didn't promise them anything. He just said, follow me. And they responded. And that's what he's saying here. If you want to follow Jesus, and for you and for me, Jose, the application is simple. Uh, He said to us, um, to be his disciple, we must pick up our cross, that's to die every day to our flesh, a cross was an instrument of execution, um, and follow him and do so every day. In other words, we get up in the morning, it's not our day, it's his day. We get a paycheck, it's not our check, it's his money, or our money rather, it's his money. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's challenging these men who are all excited. He's challenging them to come and... um, 
leave everything. And he will later say that it, the man or the woman who, who doesn't follow me, who, who turns back, isn't worthy of the kingdom of God. So that's what he's saying here in this particular passage. Uh, in the uh, John passage, um, let me get that, verse 35 Excuse me. Uh, Jose says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When these two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and following him and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying. And he spent the day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Um... Again, it's kind of the same call to discipleship. Uh, you know, one of the things, Jose, that I think that we really have to understand here is Jesus didn't really answer a lot of questions, especially when it came to the call. Where are you staying? Jesus said, what do you want? And he answered Jesus' question with a question. Jesus said, look, if you want to find out where I'm staying, you want to follow, find out about me, then follow me and you will see. That's where faith comes in. So, Jose, I hope that answers your question. We have 30 minutes left in the Monday program. Love your live calls at 340-9585. You're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. We have 30 minutes left. We will be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our program, 340-9585. Before I go to a, another phone call, uh, Joe, if you're still listening, I did. Uh, we did look up at the break. We have to do things quickly because we only have two minutes. But we looked up the... Uh, the, the, the um, uh, porn ministry uh, that you, you point out. I want to I say something to everybody. Um, uh, the ministry that Joe mentioned, uh, they've got a radio program, so I was familiar with it because I've heard it before. Uh, it's called Pure Sex Radio. Um, the, the man who, who administers it, who uh, owns it, is, is a Christian, no doubt. But I want you to think about something. Joe said when he called that it was expensive. Well, we looked up. It's almost $1,000 for a weekend. Almost $1,000. How in the world can any Christian man or woman charge somebody else $1,000 to get them out of bondage? It makes no sense to me. It just makes no sense. We'd be willing to pay somebody else for a weekend that makes us feel terrible, makes us feel really guilt, and then gives us a shot in the arm of hope. Why in the world would we not open our Bibles and hang out with Jesus instead? It costs nothing to do that. And I am absolutely mortified that somebody could come to a ministry that portends itself to be Christian and be told that they couldn't come if they couldn't pay the price. My Jesus says the price has already been paid. So, Joe, think about that before you recommend ministries like this. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the answer. Let's go to New Brunfels and talk with Abel on line one. Abel, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Pastor Ron. Hi. Uh, I I just want to say thank you so much for having so much passion in the Word. Um, and, and, And thank you for just teaching us how to study. But I have a question for you. Uh, that last caller, he was talking about, you know, um, come and follow me. And you know how the Holy Spirit works on everybody differently. You know, I always, I always have the thought of that, that passage, and you can relate anything to it. But to me, it also sounds like it, it has like an urgency. You know, we always have excuses for not going to church or I'll do it tomorrow. And, and, and you know, one of, one thought that I had in those passages also is, we all have excuses, and we just want to wait for the right time to give up to God what belongs to God. Could you say that that's also correct? 
Abel, I, could, I couldn't have said it any better than you did at all. Every command Jesus gives us is urgent. How much more those calls to follow him? Again, from our study in Luke chapter 6 yesterday, uh, he names 12 disciples. He's up all night on a mountain praying. His father's giving him the names. Go choose them and them and them. Now remember, there's throngs of people following Jesus, but he only picks out 12 of them. Now, going back as much as a year to 14 or 15, 16 months, that's when the first call to those disciples that he chose and called uh, his, his immediate disciples, um, he asked them before to leave everything and follow him. Had they waited, they wouldn't have been chosen. I think that's the one thing that we do. We procrastinate so much. We make all kinds of excuses for not dropping everything and following Jesus. You know, in the, the call that Ho, the 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 passage that Jose asked about when when uh, he said, "Let me go first bury my father," uh, Jesus said, "No, your father's dead. I mean, he's still physically alive, but he's dead. He's lost in his sin. I'm worried about you." And and the rich young ruler who walked away sad. He was sad because he said no to God. Uh, I want everybody to take Abel's counsel here. And and when God tells you to do something, it's so urgent. It's right now. And if and, we and understand you know, that, go ahead. Any, uh, Pastor Ron, another thing, you know, I've, I've always liked to study, and Revelations is such a good book. You can get anything out of it. But two things that pop, popped out of, of um, Revelations for me was urgency. There's an urgency to teach people the Word. And also, it, it's God doesn't want to leave anybody behind. So that's another thing I wanted to share with you. The urgency came out real strong when I studied the book of Revelations. Yep. Thank well, you, Pastor Ron. My pleasure, Abel. Thank you. And that's one of the reasons Revelation was written, um, because we have a sense of urgency. I mean, if Jesus tells you to follow him today, and you decide, well, I'll wait till tomorrow, what if the rapture happens today? Jesus is coming soon, and we need to be prepared for the return of Jesus. We need to live our lives every day as though Jesus were returning today. Because most of us don't really believe that. There is no sense of urgency. It's why the church at Ephesus, Abel's reference in Revelation, um, Jesus said, I, I, I have this one thing against you. You're doing good things, but I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love. We lose our passion. And complacency and procrastination is a passion thief. And what we need to understand is that Jesus is coming soon. And what that means is that we should, I'm going to use Paul's word, redeem the time, making the day the, the most of every opportunity because the day is short. The early church, the single biggest contributor to the power in the early church was that they expected, truly expected Jesus to return every day. They'd get up, they'd look at the eastern sky and think this could be the day. And it defined the way they lived their lives. Nobody would say, well, you know, let's just kick back today. The, the church had power because they were occupying. That's Jesus' word, occupy until I come. Uh, we've lost that sense of urgency altogether. And that's why we have lost our passion and thus our power as well. Abel, great observations. Thank you very, very much. Here is a question that came in from our email inbox from Drew. Uh, Pastor on the Bible says that Adam lived 930 years. Is there any way of knowing how many of those years were spent in the garden? Uh, would it be a valid assumption that men began counting years after the fall? Your thoughts, please. Uh, Drew, one of the things when we read our Bibles, we have to remember that God actually dictated the Bible. So this isn't Moses making um, the, the assumption that he lived 930 years or Moses counting years. Uh, this is what God told him. Um, so I, I think as in the list of all of the other um, pre-flood giants of our faith who lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, I think we have to assume that those years are 
the number of years they lived on the earth. In Adam's case, that would include uh, the time he lived before the fall and the time he lived after the fall. Now, Drew, I'm with you in one regard here. Uh, I would love to know how long Adam and Eve spent in the garden uh, before the fall. Now, personally, I don't think it was a long time. Um, I think God told them to go uh, go uh, be fruitful and multiply. I think if that were the case, they would have had babies in the garden. Uh, I think that test came fairly soon, but we don't know. Um, you know, uh, when when Cain and Abel appear in, in chapter 4, they could have been 100 years old. We don't know. So there's no real way at all of knowing um, uh, it would be wonderfully helpful in understanding things. But I think when when we say 930 years, that would be the 930 years that he lived all together. So, and he's not the oldest one. One of the things that I was thinking of when I first saw your question is, what was it like in the world when Adam finally died? I mean, can you imagine when people would come and visit Adam or when they would see Adam wherever they were and, and you know, come make trips to Adam. Um, Adam was the first one. There he is. There he is. The day he died, it was like, wow, the first man is now dead. Do I think about things like that? I don't know why and I don't know what value there is, but I always think about things like that. Thank you for the question. Um, let's go back to line one and talk with Joe. Joe, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron. Uh, Joe again. Hi, hi Joe. Uh, no, uh, what you said earlier, Pastor Ron, I'm just, I don't know how to explain it or say, but you say uh, just the Bible, you don't have to pay for this. Uh, it's too much. Um, is it like when you're sick, you can just pray it away? Or not go to the hospital and just 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 read your Bible, open it, because I was sick, Pastor. I, I mean, yeah. I, I gave my life to the Lord 19 years ago, and He He did. He, he took away everything, but just I just couldn't let go of that. It was it was me or something. But at, in this program I went to, they just there's a lot of abuse in my background, and 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 I couldn't connect stuff together until. I got over there, and it just, uh, these counselors, it just started digging inside of me to where it just, it just worked for me. And, um, well, and, and, and Joe, I don't want to be misunderstood here. I'm, I wasn't being critical of you at all, and I am grateful, really and truly grateful to God that, that you've been freed from this. But what I'm saying on a broader scale, a more general scale than just your situation, it's not the Bible. Um, the Bible will tell you about Jesus and help you fall in love with Jesus, but but Jesus is the one. Um, uh, our Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, Romans chapter 8 says that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I think what we have done, Joe, is we have created such a, a, a culture dependent on meetings or groups or support that we are short shrifting Jesus in the process. And uh, my criticism, again, was not directed at you at all, uh, but, but for any Christian ministry to require somebody to pay a bunch of money to get out of bondage is something that is simply not uh, biblical in terms of construct at all. So, again, I'm grateful to God, Joe, that you're free. Um, but it doesn't matter what program you go to. The way to stay right with God is to stay with Jesus. Uh, we, we, nobody needs the, 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 Jesus is called the Wonderful Counselor. We don't have to have a counselor dig into our past. We don't have to dig into the old sin. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. These are faith issues. And uh, God used that group for you, and I'm grateful. But, but from this point forward, uh, what I would like to see, Joe... Remember, this is what I'm going to be praying for as well, is that when you come up with these mountains, these really insurmountable seeming problems, that your response would be faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus. I was a horrible gambler. 
a horrible gambler before I got saved. And you know what? I spent so much time with Jesus once I got saved. I was so grateful. Uh, I didn't stop gambling right away, but what happened was I just didn't like it anymore. And so Jesus just sort of took it away, and it wasn't something that I had to, to deal with. It was just a decision that I had to make. And every man listening to this, when those thoughts come into our mind, we have a choice to make. Are we going to honor God or are we going to dishonor Him by the choice we make? It's really that simple, yes or no. So again, Joe, I'm not being critical. I'm grateful to God that you are free. But now let's grow in faith and understand that it wasn't a program at all. It was Jesus. And he met you there in your time of need. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she reached out through the crowd and touched the hem of Jesus' robe, and her issue of blood stopped immediately. Well, now that you have been led to Jesus, hold on to him. And here's what I can promise you, Joe. I can absolutely promise you this. If you're with Jesus, remember, he's your friend. He's your King of kings and Lord of lords. He lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. If you're talking to him, if you're thinking about him, if you're walking with him, you're not going to do horrible things. It's just that simple. Now, when we give in, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We say, I blew it, I'm sorry. But the power of God is what keeps us. So, Joe, uh, I apologize if you misunderstood me. I did not at all mean to imply any condemnation on your part. It was simply the idea that a ministry would, would charge people to set him free. When Jesus did it for free. Makes no sense to me. Thanks a lot. And again, I'll be praying for you, Joe. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Here is a question from our email inbox from Anonymous. Should we truly consider people unsaved who believe and support in the right to choose? The person who has an abortion and repents will be forgiven. But should we treat a person who supports and advocates the murder of unborn children to be living a lifestyle of sin and thus be considered unsaved? I cannot conceive the idea of someone who calls themselves a Christian and yet are advocates and supporters of pro-choice. Anonymous, I am with you 100%. Now, I can't judge anybody's heart, but here's what I can tell you for sure about this professing Christian. That person is closer to the world than they are to the Lord. That person is closer to his or her own rights than they are to giving up those rights for Jesus. They haven't understood, nor do they want to understand, that our bodies are not our own. We're bought with a price. That we have no rights. And to advocate the murder of an unborn child, to cause others to stumble, that comes from the mind and heart of a man or woman who isn't saved. It's just that simple. Now, let me make sure there's one small loophole in what I just said. Uh, A new Christian um, doesn't have his or her mind changed instantly. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Well, that takes some time. When I got saved, I didn't know who Jesus was very well, and I didn't know what he wanted me to do. And so I had to work these things out for myself. So we need to give people a little bit of grace and give them some time to grow in the grace and knowledge of God and of his will for their lives. But anybody who claims to be a Christian and yet can advocate for the murder of the unborn that is as hard a heart as we can possibly find. So Anonymous, I am with you completely. I will also say the same principle applies for those who claim to be Christians and are advocating and defending a homosexual lifestyle or transgender lifestyle. Those people aren't really Christians because they don't know Jesus. 
We know about him. Of course we know about him. Everybody knows about him. But Jesus said the issue in heaven is whether or not he knows you. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? I said in my message yesterday here at Calvary Chapel that our prime directive as Christians is to agree with Christ. Christian, Christ's man or Christ's woman, we bear the name above all names. And what that means is we have to advocate for him. And so when somebody's advocating or affirming a lifestyle that's going to condemn people to an eternity in hell, we're causing them to stumble. And that means that we don't know Jesus. So I hope that clarifies at least my position. Your position, Anonymous, was very clear, and I'm grateful for it. 340-9585. Let's go to a question from Philip. Pastor Ron, what signs indicate that we are nearing Jesus' return? Philip, let me read it to you from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul, this is his most personal of all letters. Uh, He knows his time is up. He is going to write this he's going to lose his head and he wants Timothy his protege his son in the faith to know this and so he writes to Timothy mark this Timothy there will be terrible times in the last days another translation says there will be perilous times and then he describes it people will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Now in verse 3, of Second Timothy chapter 3. The two words translated without love or translated in the King James without natural affection. And it's a very vivid word picture in Greek. And the, the word picture is, is the, the love a mother has for a child. He says, in the last days, people won't even have the love that a mother has instinctively for a child. But we just talked about the abortion issue. We have murdered 65 million babies in this country and counting since 1973 when the government gave its blessing to the murder of unborn children. We have lost the instinctive love that we have for children. We've decided that having sex and not having to suffer any consequences from that sin is more valuable to us than a relationship with God. Uh, people be lovers of themselves. All you have to do is look at social media. People are consumed with themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, and on and on, and disobedient to parents, ungrateful. We live in a, a day that it seems we've never experienced. Now, again, I'm not one of these chicken little guys. This guy's falling, and Jesus is going to come in a week because of this time. We live. It's always been this way in the last days. The last days started with the ascension of Jesus. But in the very last days, that's what Paul's telling Timothy, these are the signs that were in the last days. And I would say that's pretty clear. We also have to, of course, look at Israel. We see what's going on with Israel. And um, we can see all of those things as well. So, Philip, thank you. I hope that answers your question. We are truly in the last days, and the church just isn't living like it at all. Here is a question from our mobile app from Nacho. Pastor Ron, have you ever considered teaching the life of Jesus through the Gospels in chronological order, spanning across the Gospels to draw a more direct and more focused look at each event in his life. Not sure I haven't, and the reason I haven't is because I can't improve on the the design of the Bible. Uh, I have taught um, Matthew twice, John twice, I'm the second time in Luke, I've taught Mark twice, uh, verse by verse, without missing anything. And I think um, um, because of the different pictures, 
I, I just really believe that I can't improve upon the design. The one thing I can uh, do for you, Nacho, and I can recommend this to the to the audience as well, um, there is a treasure. If you're studying the Gospels, uh, it's called The Life and Times of the Messiah by Alfred Edersheim. And by the way, you can get it free online now because it's, um, uh, it's you know, he's been dead for 100 years. Um, but but uh, that book and then uh, The Life and Times of the Messiah, uh, it, it does go through Jesus' life um, from start to finish putting it in chronological order. At the beginning of every chapter, it has the, the, the different references uh, from all four of the Gospels so that you can uh, open your Bibles as you're studying. It's a very difficult, it's a scholarly work, but it is a treasure, and I would recommend it for everybody. The Life and Times of the Messiah by Alfred Edersheim. That's E-D-E-R-S-H-E-I. Him, and it is a treasure. I think for me to um, do it in chronological order from the pulpit uh, would sort of be reinterpreting it, sort of stepping outside of the message that Jesus has for us. Uh, but for your own study, Nacho, and anybody else who's interested, uh, I think that is something that's really important. Try, for example, um, studying the seven sayings of Jesus and putting them in order without cheating and going to the internet or something to find out what they are. Uh, you have to really construct a time frame and I think there's value in doing that but I wouldn't do it uh, from the process of teaching it. How am I doing on time? Just under two. Under two minutes. Let me get another question in. Um, one minute. Greg says, Christians talk about being saved but what do we need to be saved from? Uh, good question, Greg. Sometimes we Christians talk like everybody knows what we're talking about. We need to be saved from hell. We need to be saved from sin. We need to be saved from ourselves. Jesus came to save his people Israel from themselves. They didn't want to be saved, and they've paid for it in eternity uh, and have been paying for it for 2,000 years. So being rescued is a really good picture. And that's what we need to do. We need to be rescued from ourselves, from this world. We need to be rescued from sin and the punishment that comes with it. So, Greg, I hope that answers your question. Good question. And forgive us when we Christians um, start speaking all Christianese. Hey, thanks for the show. Thanks for all the calls today. It's been a good program. Remember, tonight, our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies at 7 o'clock here at Calvary Chapel. Child care is provided for the younger. Love to have you here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word. See you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.